This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 182, about Iron Fist Season 2, episode 8, Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to episode 8 of this season of I'm Fist, where we are looking at the Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance. This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 182, and I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host for this week's episode, Derek. Uh, Chris isn't joining us this week. He's off on holidays, lucky chap. Yes, he's dive-bombing off cliffs as we speak. Hmm, possibly. <laughs> no, we have seen the video evidence. Yes, he is dive-bombing the um, dolphins around the coast of Portugal. <laughs> It looks pretty good. It looks like he's having a great time. Uh, so he is going to miss out one episode. Uh, he will be back for a review of episode 9 and 10 of Iron Fist. And that's all we have this season. We only have 10 episodes, so just two more episodes to go after this one. Yes, only two more episodes left to go. Um, short and sweet, I am thinking at the moment. Um, mm. And certainly this episode brought about huge uh, intakes of breath, uh-huh. shock, horror, uh, the possibilities that are emanating from this episode is something to behold for sure, and we will cover that in our spoiler-filled review. Uh, but before we get into the episode details, you can, of course, get in contact with us for any of your feedback, thoughts, or comments about this season of Iron Fist over at our website on DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can email us at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. And you can leave voicemail. Just go to the left-hand tab and leave up to 90 seconds of voicemail over on our website. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there is our Facebook group that you can come on over and join as well. We leave spoiler posts for each of the episodes uh, to get your feedback that we share on the podcast. And it has been some great feedback this season as well. Loads of comments. Uh, really good stuff, fellow defenders. Keep it coming on in. Mm-hmm. Um, but Derek, what are some of the episode details? Yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, the episode name Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance is based on another Marvel premiere issue, uh, this time issue number 17, uh, where Danny Rand takes the fight to Harold Meacham. Remember Harold Meacham from season one? Yes, yeah, Zombie Meacham. Such a shame we don't have him in this season, but hasn't really missed him. I've really enjoyed what they have done this season. Uh, and Harold got a great arc in season one. But uh, but yes, that's his first battle, really, with Danny Rand. Back in Marvel premiere number 17. Mm, excellent stuff. Mm. Love the Meachams. Of course, they are one down this season. Mm-hmm. Just two. And even they are, uh, how shall we say, it's slightly um, separated. There's certainly... Um, some issues between Joy and Ward Meacham, for sure, which mm-hmm. we see a bit of in this episode as well. So uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And this episode is directed by Julian Holmes, a British director who only recently started working in the US on Outlander and Iron Fist. Uh, but he has directed an upcoming episode of Daredevil season three. He's worked on TV shows in the UK right back to 1998. So lots and lots of work uh, in the UK, but only recently has he moved his talents, as I said. Excellent stuff. And the episode was written by Melissa Glenn, uh, written on quite a lot of shows over the years, um, but recently did the reboot of Beat and the Beast and the TV show Zoo. Uh, a couple of credits from her, but this is the first time in a Marvel show. And got a very big episode, really. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? 
Sure. Danny Rand's physical training and rehabilitation at the hands of Sensei Wing is finished, but he must complete a series of final tests to bring his emotions under control to win back the Iron Fist from Davos. Meanwhile, Davos accelerates his training of Rhino's gang and continues his purge of the triads that unites the Hatchets and Golden Tigers against their common foe. Davos becomes suspicious of Joy's motives, but she convinces him otherwise as she offers him tips on appealing to the people. But Davos fails to win over the hearts and minds of Chinatown (laughs) as he rips out the heart of Mr. Yip for failing to share his vision. Mm. Back at his base... As more doubts creep into joy about her alliance with Davos, she searches and finds the Tibetan singing bowl with her new ally, Bibi, who has become equally sceptical. Elsewhere, doubts begin to creep into Walker as she seeks the truth about her relationship with Mary and the story of her past. Who has been protecting the both of them? As Danny Rand passes the final tests set by Colleen, he is ready to confront Davos to regain the Iron Fist. But after another sparring match, he begins to understand his limits and motivations as he reveals to Colleen that he had become addicted to the Iron Fist power. As they ponder on the next course of action, Danny suggests a radical solution that may see Colleen inherit the power of Shao Lao. Oh yeah, so much in this episode, so much. I think I got about 20 minutes into the episode and I realised how much was paying off for the characters as we start to really get close to the end of the season. Um, Lots and lots going on. Yeah, a lot going on here. Mm. Uh, Really is. And to be honest, you know, a big potential changing course for the Iron Fist and where that power of Shao Lao the Undying lies. Um, Really interesting and, you know, really really ballsy as well um i i do think there's some um not necessarily for the character and of course we'll get into that um a lot because the power of the iron fist is transferable as we've seen this season and you can have and have had multiple iron fists so but uh it's a certain change in course for the iron fist series on netflix um and it's an interesting choice for, mm-hmm. for sure yeah. uh, and a, a really ballsy one i think um i suspect it may divide opinion who knows yeah. but anyway we'll get on to our views on it for sure uh, i think on with our top five points mm-hmm. and point number one parallel senseis yeah i just really like how this is set up at the beginning of the episode with colleen training danny and giving him her experience on how to center his emotions and do the things he needs to do to go up against davos just being set against davos um and his dojo working with uh, rhino's former gang i just love the parallel between the two of them because effectively it kind of feels a little bit like karate kid the idea of two separate dojos, one run by an evil bad guy and one run by the good guy, um, teaching how to be mindful of your opponent and be mindful of the, of them and be mindful of your feelings versus find any weakness possible in order to take down your enemy, which is Davos's kind of teaching. Yeah, power is knowledge, knowledge is strength. Yeah, uh, strike like the hawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, all really heavy stuff from Davos um you know both of these uh, two groups Colleen and Danny and then Davos and the Rhino gang are training hard but different philosophies behind it you very know much. Colleen very much know your enemy you know make the decision take control uh, Davos effectively 
brainwashing his fanatical vision of how the Iron Fist and his foot soldiers of Kunlun should behave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we see this throughout this episode. He is uncompromising. Um, he really is. And, and it was fine when it was to do with whether you had a drink of Chardonnay or not. But, you know, this is really getting to the point where he is blind to everything. Um, I really like the parallel looks of these two senseis, or should I say a sensei and a shifra. Mm. Uh, Really, really good, just the the different ways. And and we see Danny, I think there's been a time jump here. You know, Danny's really overcome his physical issues with his leg, because of Colleen and her training, but also because of the, uh, the compression brace that Rand Enterprises have have allowed Danny to use, yeah. obviously. So he's certainly back in in a place physically that is good, but he still has this blind spot, this emotional issue of Davos. Uh, and it's this that Colleen really is pushing him through those final hurdles of her training mm-hmm. so that he can make the clear rational choices when he comes up uh, to Davos and we we see that nicely on the stairs as they're escaping from uh, again uh, having rescued uh, members of the the triad gang mm-hmm. uh, from Davos's attack and um, where Danny you know is itching to kind of confront Davos immediately so really really nice to see uh, that Colleen still has um a lot of stuff that she needs to make sure that Danny has understood from her teachings, mm-hmm. and she's putting it effectively through a field test uh, of Danny throughout the course of this episode. So I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to call out that moment when Colleen says to him about his healing, says that he is physically healed. She does mention the fact that, yes, he does have the brace, and they have been training specifically to make him physically ready. But she says, even with all of that, this is kind of miraculous that you're healing as fast as you are. Um, I'm wondering if this is an allusion to the fact that in the comic book version of the Iron Fist that Danny can actually heal himself if he focuses his chi as much as he can. I wonder if this is just alluding to that a little bit in the show because he doesn't have the, the power of the Iron Fist, obviously, at the moment. So he's not able to lay his shining hands on himself and cure his leg. But is there just a mention that he's able to heal faster than other people? Is that what they're trying to get at? It's difficult to know because if he's had his chi taken away from him and he has none of that left, is it just this idea that he is becoming more centered? He's resting as a result. He's meditating. He's more rested. Um, and then with this compression brace mm-hmm. and with the, the training for, you know, his, his physical well being that Colleen has done. Um, although to be honest, uh, he's certainly, uh, is getting beaten up by Colleen. We certainly see she's a dab hand with a staff. Uh-huh. I love that moment where she hits him in the face with the staff, knocking him to the ground, and then goes, that's enough training for today. And <laughs> yeah, Danny, exactly. Danny just turns around to her and goes, no, one more session. I can't leave our training today like that. Again, showing that his emotions are overriding him. He's angry at being beaten to the ground by Colleen. He's a very powerful yeah. threat, and he should be against her. But the fact that she was going to willing to leave the training there when he was knocked out on the ground <laughs> or knocked down to the ground. I mean, I was expecting uh, Danny to spit out a few teeth, to be honest. Well, uh, yeah. But certainly, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's not been easy for, for Danny in, in this kind of rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed this opening. I, I thought it was really nice. And actually, it put a lot at ease that I had with the previous episode right. because 
it did feel that Colleen was Danny's trainer, but that didn't necessarily um, impact their relationship. I still think you find out later on that there is a choice to be made there Mm -hmm. uh, for sure uh, as to whether Danny and Colleen remain a couple, but I still hold out hope. I think this training really put some of my fears at ease were that she still cares about him. You can see that he Mm -hmm. still cares about her. It wasn't going to be this sudden kind of, you know, cold front that comes in between the two of them um, because she can only now just train him and there would be no um, feelings towards one another. That really, those feelings that they have for one another are still there and I think that really came out nicely here. It'll be interesting to see still whether these two end up being able to have a relationship by the end of this 10 episode series yeah it felt like she did soften on that a little bit didn't it um, when danny calls her sensei after they finished training and she says oh you don't need to call yeah me that. exactly we're, we're in private time now and that's where danny's getting kind of mixed messages from her i suppose exactly like we said on the last episode where, where danny's being told by her um you call me sensei because i'm now your master no longer your partner kind of thing um Danny's kind of questioning that this time. He's saying the only option you seem to think we have is either we take down Davos or we have a relationship. And Danny's trying to work it through as to why that's the case. So I don't think we have a definitive answer on it, but it does help us a bit more uh, in this episode. It softens it from the previous episode, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the, the previous episode, for me, it just seemed too much of um, a leap that these two would somehow have to give Mm -hmm. everything up. And it just felt as though they softened that stance here Mm -hmm. uh, a little, which which is good. So, yeah, maybe it's not really fully allayed my fears as to what might happen, but certainly at least these two are still together in some way, and it's a little bit softened that they could still have a relationship. So, you know, we're rooting for you, Colleen and Danny, that Mm -hmm. you can still have a loving dojo-y type relationship whilst she can be a badass trainer. Absolutely. How uncomfortable would it be to be be broken up and living in a one-bedroom apartment together, you know? (laughs) It must be quite difficult. Anyway, let's get on to point number two. You mentioned this a little bit, John, but the gang war is finally over, the one that we had seen at the beginning of the season between the Hatchet Gang and uh, the Golden Tigers, uh, both vying for positions within uh, the handless uh, Chinatown, I guess. Um, But what we see is that because Davos is going after Mrs. Yang, he's now getting to the heads of the families, effectively. He's already taken out Mr. Yang. Mrs. Yang stepped into that role. And now Davos is going to take her out uh, with the help of Chen Wu, again, as we as we mentioned. Uh, he of the eye patch. Uh, she seems to be blaming Danny and Colleen for but it's actually Mrs. Yang who caused it while Colleen was watching on. She is the one that stabbed him in the eye. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so he seems to be... Again, kind of slightly misplacing his anger. Uh, although hanging around Davos for a while will get anybody to hate Danny and Colleen by extension, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that classic, my enemy's enemy is my friend's. And and yes, the gang war is over, but they are ramping up to combine their forces um, and, and go after Davos and his new grouping of, of the Rhino gang. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for Danny and Colleen, there's still a few too many guns on the table. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're certainly pleading that they just hold back whilst they try and do their plan here um, of, of regaining the Iron Fist and trying to take Davos out their way because otherwise they will get slaughtered. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, 
the gang war is over, but some other war is about to kick off here uh, from in their minds. And again, Chen Wu really, really enjoyed um, Chen Wu here going after, um, I think it's the, the Hatchet's accountant, Mrs. Yang is there, her right-hand man is there, and this is really what forces them to come together with the Golden Tigers mm-hmm. um, because they are now in the, the crosshairs of, of Davos and, and Chen Wu. I love the fact that the low-tech Facebook worked with the posters. Uh, you know, have you seen this car? Uh, really kind of interesting. And again, as I said, on the staircases as they're escaping from Davos, you have um, Danny really in two minds as to whether he should go up and confront Davos and Colleen saying, you know, this is one of the tests. This yeah. is where you have to make a choice and leave it until you face him on your terms. So that's really, really good. But we have Chen Wu here then still in the car, seeing them escape and Colleen going in to to just kind of hold him up whilst Danny, Mrs. Yang... Uh, and the rest of them get into the car to escape and pick her up. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, really enjoyed that fight between Chen Wu and Colleen. This really good moment in the in the episode. One of the things I also really enjoyed was when Chen Wu is sitting outside uh, Mrs. Yang's place with Davos in the car and telling him he knows everybody's inside and goes, "Trust me." And then the response from Davos to him just going, "I'll never trust you. You've be you've betrayed all of your allies, everybody that you used to work with. You've betrayed them." and gotten me to kill them you know it's kind of interesting that with chen wu taking the the direction of davos he's no he's not being seen as davos's minion or davos's partner in this circumstance he's just saying to him you know basically one step out of line you're dead because i would never trust someone that did what i'm asking you to do uh, which is really interesting poor poor chen wu davos is not a forgiving type here no, um, no. and he really does walk a a narrow path um you know he is blinkered beyond belief and yes i think chen wu here really does get an idea of just on what thin ground he he walks Mm -hmm. with davos and it's all set into motion obviously the fact that mrs yang has now set up the final meeting with the hatchet gang and the golden tigers danny's achieved what he wanted to achieve there is peace between the two gangs but only because they have this common enemy of davos and they're going to go all out against him as soon as they have a chance um and as you say yeah the big problem with that is because well if you have random people in the street going to be throwing hatchets or knives or shooting at davos then possibly he'll die before danny gets the iron fist yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think as well, this neatly moves us on to our third point here, uh, which is Davos's PR stunt um, or <laughs> mm. PR disaster, maybe. Yes, you yes. know, uh, Joy also is on thin ground with with Davos. And I, I really liked um, this kind of confrontation um, that Davos did with her. You know, why did you come back when you quite clearly fear me? What's your motives here? You know, he's doubting her loyalty and he doubts Chen Wu's loyalty as we saw in the car. And I like the fact that these two almost turn on each other. Chen Wu's like, you know, I see what you're doing. If you try and turn on me, if you try and make him turn on me, I will go after you. You know, there's there's a real suspicion between these three people. Mm -hmm. And quite rightly, because Joy absolutely 
um, is freaked out by Davos, um, really to the extent that she phones Ward again as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do like the fact that she plays on Davos's belief that he is a true and honest noble man. That's how she gets him yeah. and convinces him that she's still on his side. Uh, I did think Chen Wu in that scene seemed a little bit like, you know, the, the Death Note character, yeah. where he's basically saying, whoever's name I write down in this book will be killed. Surely Davos, if he saw Joy's name down in his in his little book, he'd go, Joy Meacham, I know her. I know she's not a golden tiger. Like, you know, I think he has, he seems to think that he has more power than he actually does with yeah. Davos. I think Davos is using him. And as soon as he's finished getting the bad guys on uh, that Chen Wu has been giving him, Chen Wu's done. Yeah, but yeah. that's it. I mean, they really are on shaky ground, these three. And uh -huh. whether Davos is sensing that, you know, he really pulls Chen Wu up in the car saying he will never trust him. Mm -hmm. And he's beginning to doubt Joy. Uh, and Joy doubts him and what and believes that she is under threat from him. Yeah. And so he is right to, but she does. She uses her business savvy really well here going, you know, you need to work with me here, have this kind of PR stunt, as we've called it, where you need to show the people of Chinatown, the people of New York, that you're not just going around killing people because then there's a disconnect with your message of, I want to save New York City. I'm trying to protect it. But then you go off killing everyone. And of course, for Davos, um, any new kind of thinking really breaks his mind a bit it here. Does, yes. uh, and unfortunately, that message of I bring you peace, love and protection ends up with um, Mr. Yip really just trying to stay out of it and have his uh, his heart ripped out effectively or punched out, should I punched say, probably. by the Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, because Davos seems to think that he's still in league with the Golden Tigers, even though he's saying, I don't want anything to do with this. It's not a slight on Davos. It's just leave me out of this turf war. And Davos is like, why don't you want to take protection from me? I mean, he takes everything so per personally. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he, he is that classic, freaked out, suspicious, paranoid android uh, who just cannot see beyond those blinkers that we've talked about. Um, and as a result, poor Mr. Yip, um, <laughs> the apology from uh, the head of the Rhino gang, Rhino, um, to him, great. It looks like it's working, and you're like, going, "Wow, Davos could pull this off." And then his own ego uh, and its iron fist to the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And then like, he, <laughs> he says to him, "You know, um, we're now going to provide you with protection for free." You know, as if this is supposed to be the biggest, nicest thing. <laughs> Whereas Mister Yip's kind of looking at him, going, "I don't want protection. I don't need protection because nobody's attacking me." why do I have to take your protection kind of thing? He's going, I just want to stay out of it. I just want to run my restaurant, you know. Um, this couldn't have gone worse for Davos. <laughs> really. not, um, not only do we lose Mr. Yip here, we also lose Rhino to a member of his yeah. own crew. That was a shock he to starts me. to question Davos. Understandably, he's just killed a man who said nothing at all, didn't offend him at all, in front of these kids that he's trying to train. And one of his own team comes up behind him and slits his throat. And then they just leave the body in the street. Yeah, in, in, the, in the trash. The unceremonious. Yeah, we have death. strike quickly like the hawk or the peregrine, I think. Um, and he really does. It's it's a slit throat from mm -hmm. one of his own uh, former gang members. So, yeah, Rhino gone, yep. Mr. Yip gone, um, and 
Davos, ultimately, the the thing he takes from that, which is just like so classic, like fanatic, is oh, you did listen to what I said to the guy who's just slit rhinos. So not yeah. the idea that he's just killed an innocent because in his eyes anyone who's not with him isn't an innocent. That's where it's going here. Everyone is the enemy uh, from the point of view of of Davos. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really kind of breaking down for Davos here. He's becoming what he didn't want to become. Well, he's becoming the villain. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's two things I really have to say about this scene itself. Obviously, it's quite literal now that Davos has the red fist the blood red fist it's it's quite a a great image that you have now when the last time we saw him he was lighting up the fists in red in this moment after he kills mr yip it's covered in the blood of an innocent effectively so i like that little touch it's it's very cool yeah um he now has six people who are willing to do everything for him it seems after killing the their former leader to, uh, to have him take their place it's kind of like he has created his own version of the hand now um but I do have to call out that three of those kids did not say anything at all when he pushed for them to say, yes, sensei. Three of the kids that were standing right in front of him said nothing at all, that he still took them, saying that they're following him. Either that's a choice that I've missed by the director, or they should have shot that one little scene, just to give them that moment where all six of them say, yes, sensei. You know, I think that might have angered Davos. If, uh, yeah. If he noticed that some people's lips weren't moving when he asked them to say, yes, sensei, I think that could have been another very angry moment for Davos. So probably needed to have just one more shot of that scene and have all six of them say it at the same time. Yeah, and he's been questioned by by Rhino, who's had his throat slit, and ultimately the endeavour of going out onto the streets was questioned by Bibi, you know, Mm. um, and he has been locked up uh, back at Davos's dojo, um, where ultimately then Joy and him form this pact we have something slightly earlier where he says to to rhino that he doesn't want to carry on doing all this training and goes out he says to go to the loo um, and in the end joy catches him with one of those um low-tech facebooks the poster with have you seen this car mm-hmm. and, and she realizes that there's someone to tap here because we know that joy has been sort of angling after the the hiding spot of the tibetan singing bowl so, you know, she sees someone that she can rope into her plan to find this out. So the, the two of them, whilst Davos is out killing Mr. Yip, um, you know, go on the search for the Tibetan bowl, which ultimately they find. Yeah. Um, and again, Joy having to do a bit of stalling of Davos, but BB gets out with the bowl and is instructed to go to Colleen Wing's dojo. So I, I like that. There was a real nice bit of tension where she's holding him up. Um, and you did kind of get the sense that Davos maybe is done with Joy to an extent, even though he's not going to kill her, not at this moment in mm. time. He, he certainly probably will do once he sees that the bowl is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, he will at least suspect her. This is all really crumbling a bit around Davos. I don't think he sees it, though, at this moment in time um, at all. The thing I don't fully understand is why Davos maybe doesn't go after Danny. Like, how come he's not preempting going after Danny Rand? Mm. Because he knows where the dojo is. Um, so that's obviously something that he hasn't yet considered or thought of. 
And even after Danny and Colleen sort of interrupt him going after the Hatchet's accountant, Mr. Chang, he still isn't really in that mindset to kind of attack them first. I don't think Danny is his enemy. We haven't heard it vocalized from Davos for a while, but he got his Iron Fist back. Danny's no longer a threat to him. He believes. He believes he can beat him at any time. And right now he's waging war on the Hatchet gang and the Golden Tigers. So I think he's just letting Danny lick his wounds for a while, basically, um, because he got what he wanted out of him. So I don't think he even figures on his radar right now. He's trying to train these kids. He's trying to go to continue that war versus the bad guys in the city as he sees them. And he doesn't see Danny as a bad guy. He just sees him as his former brother that got the Iron Fist for a while. And now he has it back. So why would he take take down Danny as such at the moment. I don't think he, he figures yet that Danny's trying to get back at Davos. Maybe not, but I, I do think Davos has had a shift in his relationship with with Danny because he says uh, when Danny and Walker are there to get him, you know, you, you've crossed the line. Mm. And okay, yeah, he doesn't kill him, but he breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. So maybe he knows that Danny is struggling with a broken leg or should be more so but it's just the fact that he isn't considering that danny might make a play he you're right he does seem totally to not even think that danny could be a threat to him and yet despite seeing him interrupt and save mrs yang and, and all the other um people in that apartment from his justice He's not taking the battle to, to Danny, even if it's just to warn him again or something like maybe, that. Maybe, maybe, but maybe that's the next move that will happen in episode nine now that we've gotten to the end of this arc for Davos, where he was actually trying to present a good face of himself to this to the city, to the area in Chinatown, to the local residents. And now he realizes, actually, I can't present that face because that's not me. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have even listened to Joy. Now the bowl's gone. Now Danny's a threat because he could possibly be coming after me. Well, yeah. But he doesn't know. In this episode, he doesn't know that the bowl has gone. Exactly. But that could be the impetus to push it over. Uh, Joy knows she's in danger as well. That's something that I think was quite evident and and really well done in this episode. You know, that early conversation she has with Bibi where he mistakenly assumed that the reason she was around was because, well, she's Davos's woman. And that's why she's there. I love Joyce's reaction to that, where she just goes, that's both sexist and simplistic. Yeah, absolutely. And then questions what's going through BB's mind when he thinks he can actually just walk out the door after joining up with Davos's gang or Davos's group. You know, she basically is saying to him, you're signing your own death warrant if you walk out that door now. Yeah. You need to go in there. You need to put a smile on your face like I'm doing. And you need to believe and say you believe in everything that Davos wants you to, because if you don't, you're dead. That's what we see happens to Rhino. The minute he says, I don't believe in what you're doing, I don't believe in your methods, he's killed instantly. Um, So I love that Joy knows exactly where she is, and she's doing a great job. If you listen to the words that she's saying, the things that she's doing while Davos is around, she's doing a really good job of pretending that she's there for him. Oh, absolutely. And explaining a motivation for being there. She is soothing and massaging his ego Mm -hmm. really, really well, for sure. I really like the idea of Joy and BB in this sort of little side team-up, actually. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was really, really nice. But I, I think as well, her then contacting ward who's at the florists (laughs) i thought it was actually a really unexpected way actually for me and and a real good way 
of reconnecting these characters. You know, we do have that kind of conversation from Ward saying, well, I've not contacted you. I've not done anything because you told me it was over. It was done. You were walking out. You didn't want anything else to do. You know, you get that recap, but then you actually get that really nice moment where almost um, in code, Joy uh, sends the message to Ward that she is in massive danger from Davos by getting him to go to her apartment to pick up papers for the factory in Jersey so that he can uh, sort of take control of that and and start to to buy it from her. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the same drawer, you have this picture of their mother who died years ago and was in danger as well through this charitable work that she was doing. Um, and Ward makes the connection with the renewable charity that his his mum was doing and when she died with this solar panel venture, again, another renewable energy mm-hmm. uh, venture that Joy wants to do with Rios, um, the scientist that she's got on board. Sophia Rios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and ultimately that she's sending a message that, she may die like their mother um, at this moment in time. These click for Ward at that moment mm-hmm. that he realizes she's in trouble. And I liked how that played out, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. It was, it was a nice moment of getting them to talk, having that connection back to their past with their uh, deceased mother, um, and, and seeing the message contained from Joy in what she was asking Ward to do and what was uh, in that same drawer that she knew he had to go to. That's an interesting point, yeah. I'm not sure whether Joy was actually telling him to do what he what he does because she didn't know that Mary was going to be there, for well, example. Well, that's true as well. But I do think she wanted to tell him, I'm going to die, and if I do, you need to pursue this renewable energies project because it's so important to her that that project gets off the ground. But I do think she was just trying to give them the message that she's going to die. I don't think she was asking to be saved, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's an alignment of the stars, really, with Walker being in Joy's apartment as well. Mm-hmm. But certainly, it's the message that she manages to get toward, exactly. that she's in trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And moving on to our fourth point, Ward then is in the fortunate position that Walker has come back into the world murray has left now the world at least for the time being and walker is there sat in joy's apartment waiting for her um in order to protect her Mm -hmm. so our fourth point really is the sokovia realization yeah this realization that there is a third possible alternate in the body of mary walker um this is the first time we've heard anything about this at all uh this concept seems to come up from the video that Mary uh, recorded for Walker, where she says to her, thank you for saving my life when we were in Sokovia. And Walker's reaction to that is, it wasn't me that saved her. I always thought it was Mary. And she's now telling me that she always thought it was me. Is there a possibility of a third person in there? Dr. Edwards, her psychologist, is questioning that. He's saying that we can have a definitive answer for you if you really want to know, but you're going to have to stay under six months of observation, to which... The response is <laughs> yeah. effectively, uh, you no. need to forget that you saw me because I'm not living six months in an institute just to find this out. Quite interesting and very threatening towards Dr. Edwards, but yes, possibly a third personality. Yeah, and, and 
it's kind of suggested quite a scary personality, given that, first off, you know, Mary has left that video saying that you protected me in Sokovia. And she's kind of there going, but I don't remember protecting us in Sokovia. I kind of woke up and we were free. And you get that flashback to Sokovia where there's blood everywhere, everywhere. and the, the two army guys are going, what happened here? So something jumped out of uh, her, her personality and, and took control because whoever, you know, were coming to kill her in her cell, in that pit, uh, and it was this third, potentially third person that has saved Mary and Walker. So Mary has got it wrong ultimately, mm -hmm. as to who has protected them. Um, and also Walker unknowingly um, is is kind of unaware of this until that message from Mary. Yeah, yeah. I think she always, again, she always assumed that it was Mary that did it. Uh, she knew that she didn't, but always assumed that Mary did it. Uh, but yeah, there could be a very violent personality in there. Really good. This is something connected to the comic book uh, character. There is three personalities within the character in the comic book. So mm -hmm. this sounds like that's what we're going to get in here. It sounds like they are having this third personality, which is great for the TV show. I love that they've kept this up to episode eight and we still don't know this part of Mary's uh, personality. I love that they've kept this back till this late in the season. So hopefully we'll see a bit more about that. But yeah, she does a deal with, uh, with Ward, as you say. Um, she will take out Davos if he gets her redacted file from the army and finds out what information that may contain about this other personality that she doesn't know. I think what, what's scaring her most, what's scaring Walker most really, is that she knows the triggers for getting Mary to come out. She knows the things to keep her back and is able to take tablets and do the things. Mary knows those triggers of Walker as well, but neither of them know about this other personality, so neither of them know when in the past she's been triggered and she's come out. So, um, so that makes Walker much less stable because she had her whole plan to go away to a cabin in the woods and keep Mary at bay forever. And then she could just live out her life because Mary wouldn't be triggered to come out by anything that's happening. But now with a third personality, she has no idea how to manage it. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's mm -hmm. really nicely played. Um, and I absolutely enjoyed this moment of... Um, Walker realizing that there is another, mm -hmm. you know, to quote uh, Master Yoda, <laughs> that who is it? What is it? And I mean, all that I can think of is that we're just going to get this really juicy moment where an absolutely psychotic version of Mary Walker uh, comes into being uh, at some point mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Uh, and I suspect, given that Ward absolutely wants her to protect Joy and kill Davos, that when she's up against the Iron Fist of Davos, that she may need to get some help for her. She didn't need it last time. She certainly knows the Iron Fist and how to disable it. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be really interesting because I can really see um, a violent Murray on the horizon confronting Davos and I'm wondering if it will be all too much for Davos even uh, and he will get a little freaked out uh, by this new character coming from the body of Mary Walker so absolutely fascinated me this can't wait to see this third person yeah yeah really intrigued to see what happens to that very cool um final point for this episode point number five 
It's a biggie. I think so. I think so. We're just going with Danny and Colleen's fight in the ring. Um, their final test, really. Uh, it's where we where we kind of start off this point. Uh, throughout the episode, Danny's being told that he's allowing himself to be ruled by emotions. And that's why he's always failed. That's why he's always put his friends in trouble. That's why he's always put... Uh, Colleen in trouble and himself in trouble. If you kind of go back through the history, back into season one and into the Defenders, you do see those moments where Danny is effectively running headlong into this battle with the hand because that's what he was told he is supposed to do yeah. with the Iron Fist. He got the Iron Fist, was told to attack the hand, and then he just goes out. Every time he hears a story of the hand being around or a moment to attack them, he runs in and attacks them and bad things did happen we saw that in Defenders we saw him getting kidnapped we saw uh, the people that he was surrounding himself with the heroes that he was surrounding himself with being threatened by the hand because of Danny's ability to run headlong into this challenge you know yeah so interesting that they're calling this out through Colleen in the second season that effectively that if Danny doesn't put that side of himself away and make proper decisions based on real information rather than emotions that he can never hold the Iron Fist again is what they're saying he can never beat Davos if he doesn't have this moment yeah. of going I'm not going to go after him because the opportunity is there I'm going to go after him because it's the right time for me and ha- and, and I've thought about this clearly yeah quite interesting it is and I mean it, it brings him to this interesting realization of him understanding that he was absolutely addicted to the chi of the iron fist uh, that it had consumed him I love that conversation that they have where he not only realizes his limitations, but that he realizes that his motivations maybe are a little cloudy um, or he can't quite place them because Colleen is asking him, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? And ultimately, in the end, he's saying, I became addicted to the, the, the chi, the use of the iron fist and you know, that motivation of the hand, you know, that he wasn't caring about other things. And you get that moment where he says, maybe I'm not the right person ultimately to hold this power. Mm. Um, And that maybe it should be Colleen Wing. Yes, it's an interesting one. What we kind of established, we talked about it quickly after the episode was on before we recorded the podcast, because it's a huge moment. Oh, big time. And the choices here for Danny are either he takes the Iron Fist back, knowing that he can't handle it because that's the one thing he wants. It's kind of like the ring from Lord of the Rings, almost. Yeah, it is. Where he's saying, he's, he's saying, I'm Gollum. I want it because I want it. Yep. There's no reason I should have it over anybody else, but I want it because I want it. Um, I've trained myself since I arrived in Kunlun to take this power, and then I got it, and now I've lost it kind of thing. So that's where he is so he doesn't want to take it back he wants to step aside and say i'm not the hero that should hold this iron fist and i think that that leaves him with only two options either he finds someone that should be able to manage the power of the iron fist that person being colleen because she is very stable and a very good fighter i'd see the choice that he got there and i think the other option that he had and we were trying to parse this out but i think the other option is if davos is killed and nobody else takes the power by using this ritual. The power goes back to, this is going to be a bit mystical for non-comic book fans, but I think the power goes back and regenerates another Shaolau the dragon and waits for the next Iron Fist yeah. to fight against the dragon to get the power. Is that, that it, roughly Yeah, right? it, it's that cycle of the Iron Fist. I mean, it's ultimately why 
in, in, in a strange way, even though you know that Danny Rand has become the Iron Fist by killing Shao Lao. Shao Lao is known as Shao Lao the Undying mm. because there is this cycle. You know, we, we see this with the Brubacker Fraction uh, run of the Immortal Iron Fist. There have been multiple Iron Fists. In fact, there are some of his nemesis that will take the chi and kill the Iron Fist, but there is always a regeneration of the Iron Fist um, in Kun Lun, and it's, it, it's this regeneration of Shao Lao, yeah. the Undying. That's where it gets the Undying from, is that it is there to pass on uh, the chi the uh, to the next Iron Fist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think there's been, they, they said something like 66 Iron Fists. I think it's something like that, that Danny Rand is the 66th Iron Fist. It's something like that. So there's been tons of different Iron Fists in the past. I think it's a really interesting idea if they're going to go down this path of having another Iron Fist. I think it just makes total sense if you're going to have a TV show about the Iron Fist, have somebody else have the mantle of it at some point. I think at the moment we've had a lot of Danny Rand over the course of these 23 episodes with um, season one and season two and Defenders. He's had, you know, 30 almost episodes. I don't think we've had a truly fully powered Danny Rand as the Iron Fist. I think we've had quite a questioning Danny Rand yeah, for the definitely. last couple of seasons. I think I'd like to have seen at some point him wield the power of the Iron Fist and be a confident fighter and a confident person with the iron fist but they've yeah definitely written him with doubt a lot of times and um, that seems to be a lot of the characteristics of this danny rand is that he's very he doubts in his abilities and he has doubts in the people that are around him and he has doubts in things that are going on but he hasn't ever had the full danny rand iron fist moment yet yeah it may be that he has but he's just not being aware of it and um, yeah and he's been consumed by something else uh, when he's had it in that he's not in Kunlun. He doesn't know whether Kunlun is still there mm -hmm. or whether it's just moved on to the mystical cycle of, of 15 years. There's no hand there. So he's channeling the Iron Fist against lesser antagonists. Well, we saw he was using it a huge amount at the beginning of the series, and that is about the addiction that he was getting from using it. Being able to light it up whenever he wanted to is becoming... I'll use it on anybody that attacks me kind of thing. When he absolutely doesn't need to, he can take down anybody with just his standard fighting yeah. skills, as we've seen. But he seems to be using it all the time to go, but I'm the Iron Fist, like, light up that fist and show everybody how proud he is of that, of that thing. So it is interesting that he is going down that path, as we heard from Ward, where Ward heard him talking about the Iron Fist and realized that it was exactly the same reaction that he was having to the drugs he was taking. Yeah. That Danny is also a recovering addict yeah i think i think it's a really nice choice that you have here um someone who potentially will get back the iron fist saying i actually want you to get it back from davos mm -hmm. not me that there is almost a willing passing of the baton to someone else here yeah um by by danny rand yes he doesn't have the chi at the moment but i, I think this is a really interesting choice actually and i i think we've seen that the iron fist can be passed between different people with ancient ceremonies with the renewal cycle of new iron fists and um, that can happen uh, over time um here you know it's an interesting choice to possibly have colleen wing as uh, an iron fist 
Um, and given the the whole seal, her parents' seal, you know, she may have a deeper connection to Con Lun than we we think. Maybe. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we have that interesting moment when she's training Danny, he realizes that a lot of her her moves with the staff are not the hand. Yeah. Um, you know, that she's been trained by other people uh, as the basis of her fighting style. That's true, yeah. There's a little bit of a little bit of history given out here from Colleen. But remember, she doesn't need to be from Conlon. Danny wasn't. No, that's Danny true. Danny was brought Absolutely. in. He, he's known as the outsider. In fact, many of the stories that you that you see in comic books of the Conlon stuff is that a lot of people don't like him. Davos doesn't like him a lot in the comic books because he says he came in took the Iron Fist, which is the birthright of somebody that that is from Kundun, yep. and then takes it away and runs off to New York with it. You know, we see that in the series, we see a little bit of that as well, you know, but he's seen much more as the outsider on many occasions. So Colleen doesn't need to have a backstory that says that her grandfather was, was one of the monks from Kunlun that came down and then taught her how to fight. And that's why she's the right to the Iron Fist. I suppose the big thing for me here is there is a ritual that gets you the Iron Fist, and that ritual is combat, and that's how pretty much all the Iron Fists have gotten their Iron Fist. Davos is the only one that's done a ritual to steal the Iron Fist from the currently raiding person. He didn't kill Danny; he used a magical ritual to yeah. steal it for himself. So he didn't earn it in battle. And effectively, what Danny is now saying is, "I won it in battle, but I'm going to gift it to Colleen." So that's kind of where I have a little bit of a question over how they're going to do that. Again, we don't know because we haven't seen the next two episodes. So we don't know if we're going to have a Colleen Iron Fist. Yeah. But Danny's made a choice here to say, you don't need to battle to become the next Iron Fist. I think you deserve it. And I'm going to gift it to you rather than taking it back myself at the moment. You know, Danny's saying I'm not worthy yeah, of it yeah. at the moment, even though he won it. He's saying he's not worthy of it at the moment because he can't push those emotions aside. And he's becoming addicted to it. So potentially... He'll just work harder for a longer period of time, get those emotions in check and take the Iron Fist back. But he needs someone to hold it for him effectively while he gets that done. And if he keeps working the way he's doing, we think weeks have gone by here since he broke his leg. If he keeps working the way he's doing, more and more people in the city of Chinatown are going to be murdered by Davos because he hasn't stopped him. So he has to put something ahead of himself yeah it it really spices things up here Mm -hmm. i think Uh, and it's a it's a great little moment i think within this episode Mm -hmm. so for sure yeah uh danny and colleen um who will be or who will become the immortal iron fist interesting uh cannot wait to see how that plays out it's a great suggestion and as i say spices things up nicely and i i did really enjoy the fight as well i want to mention that uh, that kind of say uh fight that they do the kind of tournament style where they're uh going at each other to take the three tags off because originally when she said it when colleen said it and takes out the tag because it reminded me of something like tag rugby where you have a non-contact version of the sport okay, yeah and i think danny thought that that's what was going to happen he's kind of going how do we have kung fu or fighting when there's no contact at all <laughs> between the two of us proved very quickly by Colleen that this is a contact version. It's just about putting your opponent off balance so that they can get one of the tags. But I love the idea. I thought it was yeah. really cool. Well, I think Colleen still won as well, a 3-2 in the end, because he didn't take the the tag and then walked out and of the walked ring. walked out of the ring. Oh, yes. Disqualification. Yeah. Once again, Danny's emotions getting the better of him. <laughs> well, possibly. Yeah, yeah. 
there you go. So he did lose that battle. I didn't think that. I thought he, he would have taken the tag and just left it behind. Okay, so he technically lost. But let us tag on to our notes. Um, yes, have we any notes, Derek? I think we pulled one of the notes into the episode uh, about Colleen's history. Yep. Just again, Danny finds out that she does have some um, historical significance to her Bushido. Um, to her fighting style that it came from her grandfather uh, this would have been the person possibly that gave the family their crest which we've seen a few times and we've seen mention of it so we still have a bit more on that history of of colleen um i did think this her comment that she's always sent out missions that were to train her and um, that's kind of a style that she's using and adopting to train danny yeah it's about setting up tests but the missions that she's talking about from her grandfather seemed quite intricate they, they seemed like kind of side missions that you get in a computer game you know go and find five five bags of salt uh, in the <laughs> local town to teach her something that she never really understood is what it sounds yeah. like but interested to hear and again we need to get to the bottom of this object that she has yeah, been definitely. given We're, we've been talking about this since episode one we're at episode eight now she's still putting that to the side to help danny out we need to get to the bottom of what this is who brought this over to the country and why it was dropped off in her place of work. Big time. And Mr. Uh, Yip has gone now. He has, yes. Mr. Yip's gone. Yeah, so it may prove to be harder. And his cousin is still out there. But yeah, we we still need to to find this out. Yeah, Yeah, there's still a lot of hanging threads there. Definitely. Exactly. Need a bit more of that. Just one thing to mention, we didn't mention it last episode, but the drawings that are done of Mary Walker, those beautiful drawings that Mary put side by side with each other to show the two personalities they're left on the t- on the table for Walker in this episode. Uh, they're done by the comic book artist uh, Lionel Yu. He does loads of great comic book covers, did things like Secret War, um, some great comic book covers. Seacater's work is really cool, but nice that they brought in a comic book artist like they did with David Mack uh, coming in to do the Jessica Jones paintings yeah. uh, from her boyfriend in season two. It, like having that, it's kind of cool that they brought in another comic book artist to work uh, on Mary Walker and her look and her style. Quite cool. Excellent stuff. I think that is all of our notes. So with that, Derek, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance? Oh, Wow, was I waiting to press that button to watch episode nine of this show. What a closer, but what an episode. So much cool stuff. That that moment when we have Davos punching through a normal guy who's <laughs> who he's just said he'll protect. That moment was shocking and brilliant. Ward buying the flowers to apologize for getting drunk in front of his girlfriend that he's just knocked up. Hilarious in the middle of this episode, just the right balance of humor there that you needed with so much other stuff going on. But yeah, this is one of the best episodes of the season for me, just because of what it brings up and what it does. A high, high defend from me. John, do you defend Iron Fist 208 Citadel on the Edge of Vengeance? I do defend this episode of Iron Fist. I give it four. I heart you, Mr. Yips, out of five. Oh. I know. <laughs> well, someone has to. Um, he, he really was uh, slain in the most brutal of fashions. Certainly was. Yeah, I mean, for me, I really like the continued evolution of, of Davos here, just as this fanatic. Um, but I love how that is making him suspicious of absolutely everything Mm -hmm. um it really is kind of showing this breakdown of who he is and who he wanted to become i don't think for a moment that he wanted to be this violent 
person um, attacking people who are innocent. Don't get me wrong, he, yes, would use the Iron Fist for violence as a weapon to protect Kun Lun, but he's gone beyond protection. He is losing his own story of what the Iron Fist is Absolutely. In, in what he has become. Maybe that's to do with the transfer as it's happened. Maybe it's slightly tainted in terms of the chi, uh, or it's just ultimately down to the fact that this man, Davos, is a burnt individual. He has felt shunned by his mother. Mm-hmm. He has had a unloving uh, childhood. He has had jealousy at his heart because he sees an outsider in Danny Rand taking the the chi from Shao Lao and becoming the immortal Iron Fist and that jealousy has just rotted him. So I've loved that. I love how Joy and Chen Wu are are kind of now in the crosshairs of Davos that all of this is all looking a bit shaky. You know that dojo this bright new start that davos thought he was going to create is looking really shaky and um, because his allies will betray him uh, and leave him ultimately yeah. he just doesn't maybe know that at this moment in time but he certainly doesn't trust them and i thought that was really fantastic mm-hmm. i think just to answer your question slightly i think the reason why davos is being more affected by this is because he's not earned it he's taken it um he's not worthy of the iron fist because he didn't earn it the way Danny earned it. So I think that's kind of where we are with Davos. That's why he's being so affected by it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's certainly uh, another side to all of this for sure. Um, I think, you know, seeing um, Walker suddenly go alert because she's like, well, who has protected both me and Murray if she thinks it was me and I know it wasn't? Um, this this real juicy aspect of um, of there being a third personality uh, of Murray Walker. Um, you know, it's something we, we know is possible from the comics, but just really nice to see that on screen captured so, so well. And then obviously to have this really um, intriguing final remarks from Danny Rand that he doesn't feel fit to hold the Iron Fist anymore to to regain that chi and that maybe because of these limitations that he's beginning to realize through Colleen's training um, that maybe she is more um, adept at at controlling and having those kind of powers than he is. It really is a huge sort of intriguing uh, choice to make. And, I, you know, we have two episodes left. I really want to just roll on to episode nine, as you said, Derek. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just getting very, very um, exciting to see what happens as they all collide together towards um, this showdown with Davos that I'm sure will come soon. Uh, So yeah, absolutely defend this episode of Iron Fist episode 8. Excellent. Excellent. A really, really good episode. One last thing to do before we go on to episode 9. Favourite bit really, obviously, is listening to your feedback, fellow defenders. If you want to send in any other feedback to us about the last two episodes of Iron Fist, pop in an email to us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash defenderstvpodcast. Or you can go to our website at defenderstvpodcast.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts about the season or any of the episodes that are coming up. Let's get on to feedback. 
Our first piece of feedback comes in from our Facebook group. Jeff Childs says, After Ward describes what he needs the flowers for, I was really surprised the florist was going to sell him that sad little $50 bouquet. I would think that it would be much more elaborate bouquet. I'm assuming we haven't seen Typhoid Mary yet. I wonder if we will. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was a very, very expensive price to pay for three yellow flowers <laughs> after describing what he wanted them for. It's kind of gone, maybe she's not the greatest florist in New York. Well, I think it was roses. So that could be why. And I presume it's just New York prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Very sad looking though. Should have just gone to a verge and plucked a few wildflowers. Or gone up onto the New York High Line and just whipped a few off from the park up there. I don't think that Ward's the kind of pick-your-own-flowers kind of <laughs> no, guy. He usually pays either. people to do everything for him. So, uh, yeah. Um, I don't think we've seen Southwood Mary yet uh, as of episode eight. I think we might see her in the rest of the season, but we've definitely seen... Mary and Walker, these two personalities of this character. I know we actually got a bit of a, a bit of slagging from one of our listeners uh, in episode two when we were talking about Typhoid Mary and they were going, who's Typhoid Mary? What's this character? Uh, we haven't even heard this character's name at all in the show. So uh, Typhoid Mary is the comic book counterpart of Mary Walker. Um, but I don't know whether we're seeing exactly Typhoid Mary just yet. Yeah, we could actually see another of typhoid mary's alter egos in iron fist that you know from the comics maybe mm-hmm. yeah possibly possibly yeah jamie young says davos is definitely losing control of himself which makes him more dangerous than ever mm-hmm. i wonder if his and danny's friendship can still be salvaged or if walker is right in wanting to eliminate him does the eye patch man actually have a name doesn't really matter i guess but i liked him confronting joy He knows he's only alive as long as he's valuable to Davos. So if Joy's loyalty comes into question, his own position becomes precarious. Really nice tension between the two of them. Love the cage fight scene with Colleen taunting Danny. She is obviously a skilled teacher, but it seems to be taking a toll on their relationship. Did anyone else notice how far apart Colleen and Danny were standing after the session? It's nice to see the Doctor from season one again. I can't imagine how awful DID must be. Walker, as violent and capable as she is, is clearly disturbed at the possibility of an additional altar. I'm sad we only have two more episodes left. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Yeah, Davos um, is definitely losing it. I love how uh, Sasha Dwan really shows that pent-up craziness that fanaticism that he is trying to advocate across new york like it's so good the way he does that Mm -hmm. um i I really think it's fantastic it's just like that bomb wanting to explode really um yeah the colleen danny fight was really good but i definitely agree with you that this seems to be taking a toll on their relationship and there's part of me that questions whether it needs to um, but I suppose it adds extra dramatic tension to it. Um, but yeah, I really do think that um, it needn't be such a big issue for the couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, and yes, we did find out Ipatch Man does have a name, Chen Wu, as you've probably heard on the podcast already. We did finally find that out. I'm so glad it wasn't just us that missed that. I do think that, that was something that was missed from the first episode. We didn't know this was going to be a major character. The first episode he appeared in when he got stabbed in the eye by Mrs. Yang. Uh, I don't know whether his name was said back then, but we didn't know whether it was going to be a big character until now. So, uh, so glad we have his name now and we will not be calling him Eye Patch Guy uh, from now on. No, absolutely. And of course, uh, yes, we are 
absolutely sad that there are only two more episodes left as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they wrap it up. And certainly, uh, Walker, uh, you know, who is this additional third alter ego mm-hmm. uh, from her DID? Uh, be really interesting. Yeah, and it was good to see the Doctor from season one. I love that kind of continuity. Yeah, it's always definitely. good on these Netflix shows. Yeah. Uh, our final bit of feedback on episode eight comes in from Robert Phillips. Only two episodes left. This can't be right. We have the immortal I'm Fists going a bit potty, the Mary Walker mix possibly reintegrating, Danny moving away from the law of the one fist to rule them all, <laughs> and something around Meacham, Daddy, and philanthropic solar panel production to solve while getting a small rhino viper out of a cell alive and redeemed or sacrificed to a noble story goal. (laughs) Thank you so much, Robert, for the feedback. Yes, there is that little philanthropic solar panel production to solve. Um, I wonder if we will see uh, how that breakaway company, that small little subsidiary, uh, of Rand Enterprises uh, pans out. Definitely Meacham Daddy, not that much of a surprise given episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> however, yeah, one fist to rule them all. It is an intriguing little move uh, by Danny to suggest that Colleen takes that. Uh, so yeah, there is a lot to go with two episodes left. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, uh, a, a Mary Walker plus one additional uh, to to have to deal with as well. So yeah, a lot of threads here, um, to to get sorted out. And yes, uh, BB, will he be a noble story goal indeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like uh, Rhino Viper BB. I like that as his, as his name. Uh, very good. Thanks so much, Robert, and thanks to everybody else for your feedback. Only two episodes left, as Robert has mentioned uh, and Jamie mentioned. So get your feedback into us if you have any thoughts on the season so far. Pop them into us on feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or pop on over to our group at Facebook.com slash groups slash DefendersTVPodcast. Yes, and of course, please subscribe to Defenders TV Podcast over on our website. Just go to any good or evil podcast catcher of choice. If you are as addicted to Iron Fist as Danny Rand is addicted to using the Iron Fist, or at least was, and now wants to get rid of. True. Because he wants to solve his addiction. Mm -hmm. He wants to slay that dragon, as Ward would say. Uh, Yes, so please head on over. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, you name it, we're on it. Subscribe, rate us, leave a review, and share the love. <laughs> or just come to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. It's all there. It's much easier. Exactly. I always forget <laughs> about that one. Much Head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com for all your podcast needs. It's about that time of the season as well, just to make sure to remind you, if you're subscribed to Iron Fist on Defenders TV Podcast and you want to hear our thoughts about anything else beyond Iron Fist, things like we're covering the Doctor Strange comics at the moment, we've covered all of the um, Defender shows so far, but if you want to hear any of the other podcasts, you need to move on over to Just Defenders TV Podcast, because uh, once we finish the 10 episodes of Iron Fist, we probably won't have another episode of that coverage for a while. So make sure you subscribe to us on the main feed. Yep, absolutely. Our next podcast will be for Iron Fist Season 2, Episode 9, War Without End. Mm-hmm. Sounds violent. Looking forward to seeing it and looking forward to recording that. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. Talk to you soon. 
Yes, as always, fellow defenders, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm off to go and scrub some bloodstains off the sidewall of a Chinese restaurant. R.I.P. Mr. Yip. R.I.P. 21 gun salute, I think, for Mr. Yip. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I will be back with you next time on Defenders TV Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.